All right, we are continuing our look at Lucifer. So last week we opened up, and you can, you can tell your friends at school, well, what's your pastor teaching on? Uh, you can say, well, we're, we're studying angelology right now. and you, I mean, look how big your brain will look when you say that. But we're talking about Lucifer and a faith that failed, and uh, we're going to pick up uh, looking at angels because one of the things that's important to me is that you understand, you know, I have a better understanding on angels, who they are, where they came from, what their purpose is, what they are, what they are not. Um, and then next week, we're going to fully turn our attention to Lucifer and, and his whole process and all those things. So we're going to wrap up our angelology to study today. Let me ask this question. Anyone learned something you did not know last Sunday about angels? Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. On two votes, I shall continue. But we're looking at the origins of Lucifer. He, he's not a cartoon who's created. He's not a fictional character that, uh, that someone made up in a movie. Lucifer is a real being. Um, it ha- he has real evil intentions. And we are, if, you know, if you're a born-again believer of Christ, in Christ, I want you to know that Lucifer hates you. He, he loathes you. He would love... He can't destroy your salvation, but he can destroy your testimony. He can rob you of your joy. And if given the opportunity, he would love to crush everything good in your life. That's just the truth of it. Now, if you have not yet received Christ as your Savior, uh, he doesn't really think a whole lot about you. uh, But the more he can keep you distracted, discouraged, or otherwise uh, discontent, the better for him. So... You do have an adversary. You need to understand that, and, and that's part of his, his game. So let's continue looking at angels. Angels are created beings. So we talked last week about where, when did God create angels. We don't know. We don't have a time, in part because God functions outside of the constructs of time. But we did, we did know when three angels were created. Does anyone remember when they were? It was Charlie's angels. See, I still get, I knew I should have put that slide back in this week. But it, yeah, it was great. I'm telling you, I'm still giggling about it. All that God creates is holy. It's the natural byproduct because God is holy. And Genesis 131 tells us this. And God saw all that he had made, including the angelic hosts. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Everything that God creates is holy by default because God is holy, right? So the angelic hosts, upon their creation, the sum of them were all holy. The heavenly members that did not rebel uh, against the Lord, we believe them to be two-thirds. Revelation gives us that number. We, We don't have a clear, utter declaration, but... Two-thirds uh, did not rebel. One-third did rebel. The ones that did not rebel, we still consider holy uh, because they have not sinned. And the one-third we often refer to as demons. But Matthew refers to them a little differently. Then he will say also to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed people, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Now what's important for you to understand here is this, is... The lake of fire and, and these things were not created for humanity. They were created for the devil and his angels. However, sin has entered into the world. Sin has entered into creation. 
And so now this is the natural tragic end uh, for those who do not receive Christ as your Savior. This is a, it's a, terrible, a terrible thing. So there is a spiritual contest going on outside the realm of our comprehension. And we have the, the angelic host, we have the demonic host, <clears throat> and they, you know, they're battling. I love this artist's rendering uh, of the wrestling because uh, I, can't, I, I would love to be able to see beyond, for what I cannot see. But there's a few things here I want us. So in the course of my study, one of, the, study, one of my writers used the word creaturely. He said, the angelic hosts are creaturely. And I thought, I love that word. Tomorrow, when you go to work and someone says, how are you feeling today? I want you to go, oh, creaturely. It's good, though, right? I think it might be t-shirt worthy. Can you imagine the conversations? Creaturely. <laughs> what does that mean? Anyway, what it simply means this is we are all created beings. Angels, like you and I, are created beings. Angels never become the creator. Lucifer's primary and ultimate challenge was he wanted to become the creator. He wanted to be God. Our challenge as humanistic sinners is we want to be God. And in sense, we want to be the creators. Well, the creation cannot become the creator. And you say, well, Jimmy, that seems really high and mighty, but can you give me an illustration? Yes. Your son cannot become your father. My son is with me today. He, we share a name, and uh, my son cannot become my father. Why? Because I, am the cre- I was a part of the creator of my son. So the angels cannot, they do not create, nor do we create. Secondly, they are a separate order distinct from humanity. Angels are not humans, and humans are not angels. And I, I want to be gentle here, uh, but I, I think it does need clarification. When we, when we transfer out of this reality and we pass, because of their distinction and because of our distinction, humanity does not become angels. I, I understand that you know, there's, it's, it's a comforting thought and you know, these things, but it's simply not biblically based. Uh, we are God's creation. We are human beings. And we have a relationship with God after this life but it is not in the form of an angel. Now, would I like to be an angel? Well, yeah. Uh, I think I'd look really cool as an angel. I think I would, I would act cool as an angel. However, God created us distinctly different, and those distinctions remain through our lives and through uh, our lives yet to come. They are limited in power, knowledge, and activity. <clears throat> so, because I'm an equal opportunity minister, because I, I want to serve. I had someone offer up a question, and I want to address that question, okay? Here we go. I recently heard a message in which the speaker said, the devil cannot read your mind. She said that that's why it's important to rebuke him out loud and not just in your mind. Maybe you'll address this in one of your sermons. Well, yes, Vicki, I will address that in one of my sermons, this sermon. So there's a few things I want to unpack here really quick. First... The Bible says in James chapter 4, submit yourselves, then go to God, okay? So our authority, our power, our ability to resist comes through our submission. If you're not submitting, it's problematic, right? So 
The first step, if you really want power and authority and victory, is to be submitted to the Lord. Submit yourself to the Lord. <clears throat> now, the word we have is resist. Excuse me. <clears throat> My throat just seized up. Hold on. <clears throat> resist the devil. Now, that's not the same as a rebuke, right? And we're going to talk about it in just a second. And he will flee from you, James 4, 7 says. Well, Jimmy, how do I resist the devil? Well, we resist the devil through his word, through God's word. We read his word. We know his word. We seek to do his word. We, we resist the devil through prayer. When we talk to the Lord and, and we have that encouragement and those things, we also resist the devil in our actions. Listen, if you are acting like the devil, don't do that. If you are around where people are acting like the devil, don't do that. If you're going someplace that, may want you, that you may want to act like the devil, don't do that. <clears throat> the scripture says that we as human beings, creaturely human beings, are to resist. Jude chapter 1 gives us an interesting contrast here. But when the archangel Michael contending uh, with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses... He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment. Who? Michael, Archangel Michael, did not presume, what, to make this judgment. He said, who? The Lord rebuke you. So in this passage, we see that perhaps the actual the word rebuke and the action of that is reserved for the Lord and not for us. James tells us very clearly where to resist. So... An interesting contrast there. Just think about that. Our being tempted is often accredited to the devil made me do it. We must remember this, that Lucifer is one person. <clears throat> he is not omnipresent like the Lord. He is one person. And can I say this with all humility? If there's only one Lucifer, and there is, and Lucifer's about trying to bring down everything that is holy, righteous, and good and destroy God's work in the world. <clears throat> There's bigger fish to fry. Amen. If the devil is after me, he's not very good. <laughs> now, 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 let me counterbalance that. There is a demonic host, and it is plentiful, and yes... They do seek to influence us towards sinfulness. However, we must be careful not to give credit to the adversaries when we put ourselves in a place of temptation or sinfulness. Whoa. Don't do it and try to blame the devil. Oh. All right? Okay, thank you. Um, it, you know, we, we kind of, that's kind of our get out. Well, the devil made me do it. Now, I don't think he did. Uh, so we have to be very careful, Okay. Uh, part of repentance and walking close to the Lord is owning our stuff. And when we think and we act and ultimately when we fail in, in, in sin, we need to own that. We need to repent of that and we need to not do that again. Um, I think the devil gets far too much credit, in my humble opinion, in this area. So there you go. That's free stuff. Now let's look at the classifications. <laughs> are, they, are, are they professionals or... The total number of angels that exist is really quite unknown. Hebrews tells us that countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Revelation 5 gives us this. I heard the voices of thousands and millions. How many angels are there? We, we don't know. Okay. Um, the scripture only speaks of one archangel, Michael, who last week, if you recall, 
uh, was appointed the guardian of the nation of Israel. However, we can be confident that, that Gabriel is not the only archangel because Daniel chapter 13 tells us this. But, <clears throat> but for 21 days, the spirit, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, one of the archangels, came to help me and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So we see that Michael, one of the archangels. Now, uh, there are non-canonical writings. In, there are non-canonical writings, the Apocrypha. And in the Apocrypha, uh, there are seven total archangels named. You know, so we know there's more than one. And there could be as many as seven. And we see two other primaries. So there's cherubim. Those are four-winged angels. Lucifer is a cherubim. They seem to function as guardians of the holiness of God, having guarded the way uh, to the tree of life in the garden. If you recall, after the fall, God cast out uh, Adam and Eve and, and put guards on the gar uh, garden, and this would have been one of their tasks. And then we also see seraphim. They have six wings. Isaiah describes them in the sixth chapter. We're going to look at it in just a minute. They act as attendants to the throne of God and agents of cleansing. They also have the responsibility, the duty, and may I say the privilege of praising the Lord. Let's look what Isaiah says. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook at the temple, and, was, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty." Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Let me just give you a little something extra. Can I have some, say extra? extra? You don't want none? I'll just talk to them. Give it to them anyway. All right, that's grace. So... I, I have been asked, are there only male angels? Uh, the scripture doesn't support that. Now, we, we see them mentioned here as male, but the scripture doesn't exclusively say there's only male angels. So, in fact, you know, depending on where you look, you might actually see evidence. So, in my, for me, uh, I think there are male and female angels. So, but, and here we see that depiction. Now, I'd much rather say, Lord, forgive me than having a hot coal pushed to my lips. Anyway, that's just me. So let's look at their personalities. Do they have personalities? Well, how many of you have ever watched A Wonderful Life? How many of you have never watched it? Okay, there's another church for you. <laughs> yeah, we're very loving, but... Pff, Which one? Huh? Which one? Oh, just... He'll just find his way. Uh, it's, it's A Wonderful Life. It's a wonderful movie. Yes, it has been grossly uh, overran for us. But it's a wonderful life. It's a great movie. And in there, we meet an angel. Does anyone remember what angels, the angel's name is? Clarence. But here's the bonus. What's his last name? Huh? Clarence the angel. Okay. 
I'd give you candy if it was Wednesday night. Anybody? Who said that? Are you looking at my notes? You know that? Well, right there. Right there. I thought she had cheated on me. Yeah, there you go. But I, I love Clarence, and when I was studying on this part, I couldn't help but think of Clarence. So let's look at their personalities very quickly. First, angels enjoy a personal experience of existence. Angels know who they are. They know they exist. They know their purposes, and they, I believe they do have a personality. They are unique. It's like us. Can you imagine what the world would be like if we were all like me? Don't smile at that. Don't. What, Ronnie? What if we were all like Ronnie? We just walk around doing this. It's whatever. But angels have a personal existence. Uh, it includes intelligence. It also includes emotions. Look at James. He says this. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe in what? Shudder. So <clears throat> they have emotions. They have joy. I think they have sorrow. They obviously have fear. And then we also see that not only do they, they have intelligence, they have emotions, they also have a personal will. They also have the right of choice. And that is very important because the, those who choose to follow the Lord, we follow by choice. The Bible describes that as a bond servant. That is a, a servant by choice. God does not have slaves as we understand slaves, forced indentured servitude. That's not the way God is. That's not the relationship he has with the angelic host, and that's not the way he has a relationship with us. But they do have a personal will, and we see that because a third of them exercise that will um, in a very destructive way. They, like all creatures, are subject to God. And then lastly, demons are subject to Christ. Look in chapter 8 of Luke. And seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, a man who was possessed. And he said with a loud voice, What business do you have with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Even the demons know who Jesus is. This is free. And they didn't use his name as a profanity. That's free. I beg you, do not torment me. For he had already commanded the unclean spirits out of the man. For it had seized him many times. And he was bound and chained with shackles and kept under guard, and yet he would break the restraints and be driven by the demons into the desert. Do, do the demonic forces have powers and strengths? Yes, they do. And Jesus asked him, what's your name? Jesus knew. I believe that's for us. Yeah. But for the, for the audience immediately there, he said, legion, because many demons have injured him. <coughs> And they were begging him not to command them to go to where? Into the abyss. The place that is prepared for them. May I say this? If the demons don't want to go there, neither do you. Amen. Let's look at their knowledge. Angels are a higher created being, therefore they possess a greater amount of knowledge. Do they know everything that God knows? No. Why? They're not God. <clears throat> do they know more than you and I do? Yeah. Yes, they do. Many, uh, we could have a great discussion around that. One is they know more about God than you do. You know why? They've been around a long time and they have witnessed him in a, in a very more intimate way than you and I have. <coughs> Two, they know 
they uh, have a greater understanding of humanity. You know why? They've been watching us a long time. And I have to think on more than one time, angels go, I do. I think Jesus does too. And they'll just go, oh, Jimmy. I think they do. Um, And for our Hebrew brethren, oy vey. So anyway, thank you, Ronnie. Uh, I, I won't believe that was a sympathy laugh. Angels, there's similarities and differences, okay? First, we see that they are immortal beings. Angels are immortal. They do not die. We are immortal. We will live forever, either with the Lord in glory or with, the, uh, with Lucifer and his. The number of angels has remained the same since the time of the creation because they do not propagate. Angels do not have children. So the number of angels has remained the same even after the fall. And, and most of all, like I said, would it be cool to be an angel? I think it would be. But one of the things that the angels cannot do is sing the song of the redeemed. The third that followed Lucifer, and we're going to get into them, there's no hope of redemption. There's no pathway to peace with God for the angelic host. They made a decision, and that is is it. Now, the beautiful thing about being a human being and not an angel is this, is God became man, birthed of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and gave an an atoning death for my sin and yours. And one day, we'll stand in glory with the angelic host, and when we begin to sing the song of the redeemed, They'll simply just have to listen. The angelic host will never understand the way you feel about being once lost, but then redeemed. You see, when I, I find myself thinking about angels and all that, and all that, that entails, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's an inspiring thing. It's a, it's a mysterious thing. But I wouldn't trade who I am for anything because I've had the privilege of knowing what forgiveness tastes like. I've had the privilege of knowing what it feels like to have the King of Kings choose me. You know, I I often share, you know, I think about my father, and I'm sure he's with us online this morning. You know, when my biological parents both had passed away, my aunt and my uncle, who already had six kids, that's a house full. I mean, it's a six-pack. That's enough. Um, chose to take on two, two more kids. You know, my aunt and my uncle both had three children through marriage, previous marriage, and, you know, the natural way of things. But when I think of my dad, he, he chose my mom and I. They chose me. They didn't have to do it. There were other options. And so when, you know, when I, it's a very small gap when I think about the Lord and and my parents. Because Theresa to kind of, you know, I was an unplanned pregnancy back in 1965. You know, um, 
and all that that, you know. And the fact that one day we'll stand in heaven with all that that is. And I got to tell you, I can't imagine what the angelic host sounds like when they sing. I've been in places at times, and I think it might sound a little bit like that. But I also can't imagine what it's going to be like when they simply have to stand quietly and listen to the church, the bride of Christ, sing the song of the redeemed. That's going to be a glorious moment. And the beautiful thing is, is we get to sing that song now in our imperfection in one day in the presence of the Lord. And one day, the, you know, we sang it earlier, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. The great thing is, is we've chose to do it voluntarily. It's, it's not a hard thing for me. And one day, all of creation will do that. And that's a great discussion. But So when we think about the angelic host, um, I hope that you can understand them a little bit better. And we're going to begin to look. You know, The question on the table is this. Is, is if Lucifer, who was an archangel, who had all of these things... How in the world, why in the world would you exchange all of that for what he now possesses, which is quite honestly nothing? He's got a fistful of emptiness. But every day in our reality, people choose that for one reason or another. And every day in our reality, there are believers who simply say, no thank you. I'll go my own way. And so I guess we are in some ways similar to the angelic host. Next week we're going to turn our attention squarely on Lucifer and we're going to begin to look at the process by which he, his journey that led him from, uh, to fell him from the heights of heaven to the hopelessness of hell. So that's exciting, isn't it? Man, man, all right, that's it's like, you know, going to an audit. Hey, we're going to an audit. <laughs> but um, it, it, it's worthy to be studied, and I'm, I, I'm enjoying it. I hope that you're enjoying it, and I hope you, that you understand uh, the angelic host a little better. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you for this day, and Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be together. And Lord, we, we thank you for the display of your majesty in your creation. Lord, as we enter into a time in our world where the colors and the changes are so impressive, Lord, they scream to your power and your creativeness. It calls us to consider something far and above just a a random freak of nature. And Father, we thank you today that even in our sinfulness, wherever it was, whenever it was, and for whatever reason it was, Lord, that our minds and our hearts bent to you. Lord, I thank you for my salvation. Lord, I thank you for the relationship that you have given to me that you sustain each and every day and one day Lord you will bring to its fullness 
as I share eternity in your presence. Father, these are difficult days. And when we look at our world and we look at your word, Lord, it seems the birth pangs come a little more quickly and a little more strongly than I remember. Lord, could we be looking in that season when your promise becomes sight? Could we be living in that season where the church is redeemed? Are we living in that season when hopelessness truly stands at the threshold? Lord, we don't know. You haven't chose to tell us, but Lord, you have called us to be prepared and faithful. Lord, help us to be that. Lord, help us to be a bride, bright and shining, humble, gracious, loving, generous. Lord, help us to reach our world while it's still reachable. Help our lives be a beautiful contrast to the darkness that seems quite prevalent today. Lord, let us walk in the truth. Let us love in the truth. Let us serve in the truth. Lord, and if necessary, let us die in the truth. But in the truth, we win. You say in your word that the gates of hell shall not prevail. And Lord, we claim that promise today. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for an empty cross and an empty grave. And Lord, we thank you that the one that sometimes causes fear in our hearts fears you. Remind us of that often. Give us the courage to contend for you. And we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.